Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. Hello, soccer fans. It's your boy, Prez, a.k.a. Isaiah Hartensteinbrenner, a.k.a. Kamertaj Gibson, here to guide you through the latest episode of Draft Strickland. It's season three, episode two. We stopped doing the total title count because uh, this is a lot cooler and a lot more sensible for a seasonal podcast. So thank you for adjusting with me. On the last pod, we had Rafael Barlow from NBA Big Board to talk about what the hell this class even is, and we're going to keep talking about that, but uh, sprinkle a little bit more Knicks context this go-around. And to do that, I have two very, very special guests who you might be familiar with. One is none other, other, I can't even fucking speak, none other than Stacey Patton, a.k.a. co-host of Pod Strickland. When I'm not co-hosting Pod Strickland, and the other person is Tyrese London, aka the host of whatever that what is it? What do y'all call it? The post game thing? Uh run dot down. The run dot down, aka where Tyrese complains about RJ Barrett after every game. I don't even know that. I've never tuned in. I'm just assuming. Um anyway, they're here. We're here. They're part of the draft team, the longest tenured people on the draft team, dare I say. So we're already excited, and we're here to share a little bit of that excitement with you, listener. Tyrese, Stacy, how's it going? Doing pretty well, man. Still uh, still coming down off that match. That was an incredible watch. Yeah, it's good. Everything's going good right now. Did you watch it, Tyrese, or did you have your thing? I, I watched it, and it was... Uh, I, I was rooting for France. And poor Mbappe needs to slap everybody in the locker room. Yeah, he was he was insane. <laughs> I was hat trick at twenty three is nuts. First since nineteen sixty six. First hat trick. First hat trick in the World Cup final. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. I was telling Stacy I made the poor decision to not watch the game because I don't know. I just assumed it was going to be like fine, so I went to the gym and then I was checking my phone. It was immediately apparent that I was missing a fucking extra classic that like it was me and like five other people in the whole gym who just didn't give a shit about soccer and <laughs> even the the employees who were like at the check-in desk had the game on their their computer and all that and i was like okay i've made a mistake here but it's too late now so l for prez um all righty so 2023 i guess the first question i have for each of you is what do we think of this class in general compared to the last class with the caveat that like put Wemby to the side? Cause any, like just including him makes it to me 
a whole different beast, but just put Wemby aside. And if you did that, hypothetically, how would this class stack up to the last class? Before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. Give us a follow on Instagram at thestrick.land. There is plenty of content that we're putting out there, so please check it out and uh, (coughs) definitely give us a follow. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may or may not be watching this podcast and, uh, you know, getting a chance to see how beautiful Stacy and myself truly are. Um, Check that out. There's a lot of good content on there aside from just the podcast. We also have the rundown show uh, that comes out after every game, the post-game show that's hosted by Tyrese and Sam. Uh, so give check that out. And there's also some X's and O stuff that we've had, we have there and um, that we're planning to do more of. So uh, definitely give us a follow on YouTube as well. We also have a Patreon, which you may or may not know of. Uh, there is a six-star tier that gets you access to this podcast right here that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to <coughs> the Knicks mailbag the Strick Bag, the Doug Bag, hosted by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, uh, that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops, especially not when the Knicks are winning seven in a row. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles, premium weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Marina, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Let's come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, let's get started. Um, I mean, go ahead, Terry. Uh, uh, okay, you could put Wemby to the side, you could put Scoot to the side, sure. and you could probably still say that like this class is significantly better than last year's. Would you take Damn. both the Thompson twins over Paolo? Yes. Okay. I think this was one of those. This is me personally. Like, pre, like Paolo has, you know, credit to him. He's taking some major steps forward in the season. And I think if, with the benefit of hindsight, if he, if I knew he was going to be like a free throw god, I'd be like, okay, it's a conversation. But pre, pre actual draft Paolo, then I, I would definitely take, take the Thompson twins. Um, okay. So. Stacy, do you are you are you with that? Do you think this is like if you take Scoot and Wemby aside, do you think this is comparable but this but better or I think in pretty much every way it's better. Um we can talk about it a little bit later, but especially for the Knicks. Um but it's also um it's stacked at like kind of the most meaningful archetypes, right? Mm. So um even putting Wemby and Scoot aside you have a ton of like the guards that are sub six five are really good shooters. Um You'd like to see the uh, usage higher for a guy like Kaysen Wallace, but I mean, he's got like a 4.3 steal rate, shooting 50% from three. Um, so I don't know if the Knicks like small Kentucky guards who lock up on D and take a lot of threes, but <laughs> if they do, um, maybe they. Not, but, uh, but that aside, you have a lot of just these wingish shot creators, um, you know, who are very toolsy guys. And then you have like the specials of, um, you know, Guys like Noah Clowney or, um, you know, um, it was really unfortunate what happened to Brazil, but you have some of these 6'9", 6'10", you know, like jack-of-all-trades, Swiss Army Knife 4s. Uh, and then the bigs you have are, are pretty intriguing. Um, I know you're you're still um, a Derek Lively guy, but 
I've been pretty high on Khalil Ware for a while. Um, I buy the shot, and you know he's got some athleticism. So it's just in every way you could say star power at the top, uh, kind of loaded with big time archetypes and very deep. Um, I'm actually curious to see some of the guys who who might go back to school next year if if they don't you know the guys that are probably talented enough to be first round picks in most drafts that are just going to get squeezed you know because it's too deep. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Um, one thing you mentioned. We can start off with that because I think it's interesting. One thing you mentioned is um, that this is a particularly good draft for the Knicks. So, notably, uh, I did the last pod two weeks ago. And in the two weeks, we have gone from picking 8, 9, 10-ish to... uh, Where the fuck is our pick right now, anyway? Um, Let me see. 20. The Dallas pick is 13th right now because they're a little shaky. And ours is... 18th right now 18th. oh we broke the tie never mind yeah it's 18th yeah and uh and dropping i should say because six game win streak etc etc nick's cooking etc etc um you know like if if we fuck around and pick somewhere from 18 to 24 you know, I, I think most Knicks usually when the Knicks run into a, a win streak the last couple of years, you get your fair share of Knicks fans who are like, Oh fuck, why are we doing this? And then we're gonna get a mid pick and it's gonna be whack and Almighty get a star. Yeah, exactly, all that shit. But I feel like the combination of this this winning streak being driven by a lot of the young players, and then also maybe not for all Knicks fans, but for those of us who pay a little more attention to the draft. Dallas kind of their pick kind of sputtering a little bit to that. We, you know, D- Dallas keeps their pick if it's a top 10 pick. So we don't want them to be too bad, but they're right in that like 11, 12, 13, 14 range, which is pretty nice. And, you know, even if none of these picks are high, high, the combination of our winning being fueled by youth and having two picks, I, I feel like there's not as much complaining right now. So when you said, Stacy, this draft has you think it's good for the Knicks. Do you think it's that's because of like the depth, meaning guys who are normally really high gonna fall to the teens, or or was it more about like the kinds of players you want on the Knicks? Both, uh, actually, okay. um, because you know if there could be like if it was a draft that was very deep, that would be good. But if there are a bunch of six three six four combo guards. Um, you know, that's unless, I mean, maybe they are looking at moving a guy like quickly, but, um, you know, that's where we haven't even talked, we haven't even seen Rokas yet. Right. But they have to be, they seem to be loaded at that archetype. Um, you know, but, but they really, there's two types. I think that they're missing. This is why I really liked the guys that I liked last draft kind of fit this. Um, I think with, with Brunson here, um, you know, and, and, you know, what they have, I don't even know that shot creation is the biggest gap. But the freakish wings, right? Um, this is why everyone really wanted Cam to work out because they're missing that archetype. So you mean and, like f- freakish, like physically? Just like, you know, some... So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, RJ is like an average-sized wing, right? Mm. So, um, you know, there's one guy I really like that fits this, but he's just kind of another guy. So guys who are true six seven, six eight, right? six ten plus wingspan can guard 2 through 4. Um, I... I'm talking more about, I guess, physical tools than athleticism here, because a guy like Cam, I think, fit that. But as you've mentioned many times, you know, he can't really jump that high. Um, 
but so that's one archetype. And then I think like where I'm still a little bit worried, and this is why I, I, I like Obi a lot. I love what he brings, but um, they don't have like a four who's like that Swiss Army knife defender. Um, you know, Randall's been better this year, but you know he has his limitations on that end. Um, so like a guy like Gigi Jackson or um, you know Coleman Hawkins in the second round. Those are the two types where I think this draft has a lot of guys that you don't normally see, you know, um, and and they're all a lot of them are going to be available. So I think it's a combination of both of those things. Tyrese, where are you at in terms of like how this draft is shaping up for the Knicks specifically, as opposed to other teams? I think they, <clears throat> I think they're able to get a lot of their archetype, and I think from the three years that we see them draft. I feel like we can say their archetype is less of a type of player and more of like a collection of traits. So like the ability to be versatile on defense in a vacuum. Like I know Obi Toppin isn't the most versatile defender, but like in a vacuum, you think he could defend four or five. Um, he played more center in college um, and he was like a decent rim protector along with like, again, Deuce, Quickly, um, Grimes, Sims, who's extremely versatile. Uh, I'm going to throw out the Kiel's pick. Actually, no, Kiel's actually was a decent defender in college. But um, I'm still throwing out the Kiel's pick because that was Payola. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, Payola? That was RJ Barrett. You go, you can get somebody from Duke. You can go to your brother and sign the contract. Anyway. Yeah, I'm passing on – I mean, it's early, but passing on – Minnow and Brown are exactly that archetype that we need, right? Yeah. And Who's just, Brown? Kendall Brown. Oh, Kendall Brown. I forgot about him. Is he playing? I don't know, but I think, I think that so. he looked good yeah, in not. Summer League <laughs> for the extent that matters. But the point is, like, that's like Trevor Keels, like, even if he looks better than he did in Summer League, what's the path to him getting minutes over, he you was, know, the guys that I, we have? I never got it because I was just sad that um, EJ Liddell got taken, but, like, I'm not going to, like, really fault them about, like, a 40-second pick because last year's draft, the 2021 draft alone, like, gave them years of value. But, um, yeah, I feel like at this point their archetype is basically, like, high feel, high processing, and um, ball skills and the ability to, like, be coachable to being, like, at most a really good defender if not an average defender. So. I feel like those are the traits that they like, and this draft has a ton of guys who fit that bill. Um, I think this this um they the front office has been really team boring. Like they've been like, okay, fundamental dude doesn't really wow you, but like he's so solid that like you're gonna get value off the rookie contract. And it's kind of like the way Memphis drafts, you know, or like they've taken more swings recently with guys like Zaire and stuff, but. You look at Memphis's drafts, and they're all just like, okay, really boring fundamental dude who like does what we need him to do, and can just slot in. You know, like Desmond Bain, boring fundamental. Santi Aldama, Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman. Um, they're similar in the sense that like Zaire is kind of. They're obviously way different players, but like Zaire and Obi were higher picks, and they deviated slightly. Yeah. In terms of being like, all right, with Obi, you know. He's not quite the defender we like, but he gets buckets. And Zaire, they're like, oh, he's, you know, he's a little raw in theory, but this motherfucker is six ten, so fuck it. The and they a also smart and, player too, right? So yeah, and like I think they also physical. did that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I think they also did that because like it was their lotto pick, you know, like right, right. 
So it's it makes sense to like take a stab in the lotto, and the Knicks haven't picked in the lottos aside from Obi. So well, last year they could have, right? Um, so the best trade of the offseason, and I don't want to hear anybody talk about it anymore. <laughs> so I mean, I tend to be with you, and I definitely hate when people are like they did it. They traded out to dump salary. They I mean they got three more picks that are together probably you know more valuable than that eleventh. But um, you know, I mean, is there a guy that you would have? You know, I'll ask both of you. I, I think I know who you wanted, um, Prez. I think I wanted the same guy. But is there a guy that if they didn't make that trade, Tyrus, that you think they would have been targeting based on, you know, the criteria you're mentioning? I mean, like, if they didn't make that trade... We heard some rumors, but I'm curious. There are rumors of, like, AJG, but, like, I think they wanted Johnny Davis badly. And as soon as Johnny Davis came off the board, they were like, we don't care about the draft anymore. And they traded it out. Yeah, we heard they also liked Jalen, but I think... For whatever reason, Jalen was on the other side of that threshold where they were like, eh, I don't know. And yeah, once Johnny came off, um, I think AJ, I don't know if it was the injuries, the youth or both, but that was enough to move them off him. And that was really, those were the only guys we like heard smoke about. Um, you know, there's guys that we liked, like Tari or whatever, oh, or yeah. Jang, but those guys I think are just. They're good, but they're. I don't know if they fit the criteria that y'all kind of described, right? Because yeah. Tari's, Tari's like a. He's like his own animal. Like he might do some galaxy brain four D chess shit, and then he might just like space out for a second there, and uh, he's not really a. He's not really the kind of guy who creates his own shot which is another thing that they actually do like um you know obi rokas deuce uh grimes these guys are all able to create their own shot create their own jumpers and all that and for all his gifts that's not really tari's jam so um i think that's probably why they like johnny so it you know that's the other thing about this class i think there's a lot of guys this is this is i'm going on a little bit of a tangent now but fuck it it's my podcast there's a lot of guys in this class who can create their own jump shot but can't create their own drive or a few guys like anthony black the point guard slash wing from arkansas who can drive but can't really create a jump shot so this kind of goes to the million dollar question for for this front office is is this the year assuming they don't trade out that we finally are going to see them expand what they consider to be their guy. Right. And that can mean a lot of things that can mean somebody who maybe they don't create their own shot, but they do other good, boring stuff, you know, versatile on defense or whatever, or maybe it's, I don't know, an 18 year old. They still haven't picked an 18 year old since RJ. Well, that's not true. They picked Trevor Keels, but again, he doesn't count. So sorry, Trevor. Um, Hope you enjoy Westchester and White Plains. So I, I don't know that if there's a way to really answer that question, but I guess my question for y'all is like, on the one hand, part of me wants them to kind of switch it up. But on the other hand, they've been fucking killing it. So like, shut the fuck up, Prez. Let Walt Perrin cook doing how he does. Like, where do you guys fall in that? <laughs> well, I mean, I think they've cooked with specific archetype so i do agree with what tyrese was saying that they definitely some you know they definitely 
seem to favor, you know, heady players, um, you know, and, you know, they're just, there's a certain type, you know, guys who can defend, um, but they haven't, um, they haven't, the, the, the flip side of that is they're kind of missing some of those archetypes, right? Like they know what they can get out of the guards. They know, you know, guards who are good pull-up shooters and can defend at the point of attack. They're good at developing those guys. They seem to have a pretty good track record with bigs, but they're missing those wings. And, um, you know, the point I'm making is that you still need those guys on the roster, right? Like, um, you know, you might be great at drafting guards, but you can't just neglect the rest of the, the, the needs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we've all talked about, you know, like we've seen what Grimes has done, not just on defense, but as a connector on offense, more guys like that would help and just general more versatility. I mean, Julius has been a huge addition to this. So I'll credit Tyrese for his longstanding faith, but, um, you know, being able to switch more kind of has changed this defense a lot. Right. So looking at that, adding more guys that fit that, um, helps. Um, and I think one thing is with this group of wings, um, you know, a lot of them are not just very, um, you know, they have some of those traits that are, you know, when you talk about six, seven wings who can create their own shot, who can defend multiple positions, those guys are like gold in the NBA, right? But these, th- those guys often tend to be a little bit raw coming into the, the league, whereas I think this crop, there's a lot of very polished guys. Um, there's one guy in particular, I think, who kind of epitomizes that, but, uh, but even a guy like Jurace Walker. Right. I mean, I think that uh, the shot is good enough where I think he probably doesn't end up in that tweener space. Um, there's some shades of a guy like Xavier Tillman to me with the versatility, but the motor, the passing, I think is really good. Um, you know, those are just a couple examples, but these guys are polished. So I think we can kind of get the best of both worlds where we hit some of those traits that the Knicks like. And, um, you know, but, you know, then the things that Tyrese mentioned, but also can kind of expand beyond just uh, the archetypes they've they've gone for previously. I think what'll probably have I think what'll probably happen is like they will just get their type in a six eight body. Like I don't think they're gonna do mm, this whole, right. I don't think they're gonna deviate too much from it because ultimately speaking, like they want I don't think they want a star. I feel like their team We're gonna be picking awesome. late, presumably, yeah. so the odds are pretty low. Yeah, and I think at this point they're just kind of like we want guys who can like come in and fill in the cracks, or like if we need to maybe trade a dude, we have another dude like ready to like assume his position. It feels like that Atlanta slash um, Memphis kind of idea where it's just like okay, we can trade dudes, and then we have another dude coming out of the factory who could just like eat up twenty minutes a night and like still fit into our ideals and be a solid rotation player for us while we have our main guys in place and we have a bunch of picks in order to like make a trade at some point. Except on like Atlanta, we're good. Yeah. Right. Key, key discussion. True, true. <laughs> but like, like you look at a guy like Chris Murray and I brought up his name a lot and I'm like, he feels like the perfect wall parent pick for this, for this organization. Like boring 60 true shooting, boring double, double machine, boring like for older, like, he older. yeah exactly. he can drink already has um his brothers in the like the nba already so you can kind of use that as kind of like a bit of um like a starting point obviously keegan is better but i kind of feel like he just fits the philosophy of what this front office wants 
And there's also like, hey, he can like be a stock, kind of a stock guy. You know, like you can play him at the four. There's a chance you can potentially play him next to Julius and like feel significantly more confident about it because he shoots 38% from three on like nearly six attempts per game. Like he just fits that kind of mold of what front office wants to do versus someone like Gigi Jackson, who like I know Prez is in love with Gigi Jackson, which I understand. Like I see he's good, but like. Someone like Gigi Jackson, you know, you question, you do question his feel. You question, like, can he make those, like... For people listening who haven't seen Gigi Jackson, he's, like, 12 years old. He would be the youngest player in the NBA, and he's super gifted, but he definitely is just out there, like, hooping. Because he's he's only 17. (laughs) Like, he's vibing. And, like, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I think he, he, yeah, he literally just turned 18 yesterday. So, like... Yeah, I just kind of feel like a Gigi Jackson. He definitely he like he has all the physical tools. He makes a ton of sense, but like, I don't think the Knicks want to invest like two years into having somebody develop feel. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I think that they probably would target wings before a guy like Chris Murray. Because, I mean, are you guys high on his ability to play the three at all? No, but I, I also think that. Enough. I think he's more of a 4-5, but I feel like the front office kind of wants a 4-5. Yeah, I mean, Prez, um, so I don't know if you heard, but he has a twin brother. So if you've watched that guy play, there are <laughs> quite a few similarities. I know Keegan plays the three for for Sacramento because I've watched a, a fair bit of the Kings, and uh, he's adapted pretty fairly well. I mean, the, the, it's him or Harrison Barnes, right? So by any... Harrison, he'll be a little bit more lively in the legs than than Harry. Uh, so you know, I see why that works, but it'll it'll be interesting. I one thing, I don't think they'll end up taking two players, but in the past, the times we have seen them kind of swing for the fences are with the those second picks, right? And the front offices have changed a little bit, but like Mitchell Robinson comes to mind. That was a absolute swing early in the second round and the iq pick yeah uh it didn't seem like a swing to us at the time because we were like okay this backup microwave guard guy like cool but that seems kind of odd but i'm pretty sure their justification aside from worldwide west just screaming was like you know what kind of upside might he have with the ball in his hands that he didn't show right like so that was a swing so there's been like little tiny hints of of them taking a little more risk, but very controlled. And then here's another question, another thing I thought of, right? Like they're different sides of the front office, but the front office traded for Cam and Cam, like we know they had a certain vision for how they would use him as a role player, right? Like none of this fucking and one big stay, Paul George shit that everybody wanted. It was just attack closeouts, hit open threes, play defense, blah, blah, blah. Would you say the cam trade was was an upside play? Would y'all say that? Or no? Um, I don't have a I don't have I don't I don't know what I would even answer. I'm just curious. I I, I would say that. Yeah. Um I think that they were looking for and again, this makes me think that that archetype is going to be something they're going to have to look for sooner or later. 
Um, but I think it was also, it wasn't a very valuable asset. Um, I think at 19, they just didn't like anyone. They knew they wanted Grimes. Uh, they knew Deuce was going to be there in the second round. So um, I think, you know, even pre-draft, I think those are the two guys that got a lot of noise. So I think it was like, you know, we have this asset that we don't love. Let's see what, what we can make happen with Cam and, and he fits that. Uh, so in, in the, it's an upside play in the sense that if you do get a three and D wing at this point, who can like, you know, who can finish as well, like that is, that's not a star, but that is kind of a home run swing, right? Just because of how difficult that archetype is to find. So I would say, yeah, it was. I think it was more like, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll say that. I think it was more like they thought they were making a trade this off season and they bought cam at like a discount because they thought he might be able to slide into the rotation because they might need to like fuel bodies. So less of an upside and more just like a practical thing. Yeah, so like say you have to trade Obi or RJ or whatever in a Donovan Mitchell deal. Like I think they kind of knew that they're like he was going to get shipped at some point. And I feel like they thought they would have the chance to get him. And if that's the case, then like you may be trading RJ. And let's just get like another dude. We know Tibbs can put him into the role that we ideally need him to play. And like he's 6'8 and he has some talent. And he's going to be fairly cheap to acquire with like a second round, um, like a first round pick, that's highly protected and won't be in the lottery. So, <clears throat> I kind of feel like that was just kind of them going, okay, this is a hedge just in case that we need to like get more rotation players. We're not paying a premium for it, so let's just do it beforehand. Gotta let you know, the NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many things yet to be settled. Yet, yet to be settled. Oh my God! Uh, like, are the Knicks going to win the Atlantic Division? I keep mentioning this, but it, it it might be possible. Who knows? They are streaking, and the season is falling apart for the Celtics after they lost two in a row to the Magic. Just kidding. When I'm looking to get it on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just five dollars pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Those are both good arguments. Um, I'm just trying to figure out if any other shit that the front office has done can give us hints as to how they might approach this year's draft, assuming, you know, there's, and this may be a very faulty assumption, that there's no other big possible trade that kind of shakes everything up ready to happen this off season. So I don't know. I, I I think I agree with both of you in the sense that like it was a limited upside play, but it wasn't like an upside play. How, as in what we mean when we say we would like Walt Perrin to take a home run swing in the draft. Like when we say that, that doesn't mean we want to find a nice three and D player late in the draft. When we say that we mean, Pick a motherfucker who's 6'10 with a 38-inch vert and could get hot or something like that. Something crazy, um, but has some glaring hole in his game or whatever. 
Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we can really take any hints from Cam or anything else from last season. Like, Brunson doesn't really, like, Brunson was Brunson. I don't think that provides any insight into what they would do on the draft. Um, I mean, on the court, just thinking about how they're cooking right now and how they're playing, um, we know they don't give a shit about long twos. We know they still like rim protection, but they probably are appreciating switching a little bit more than they used to. Um, We know they have a few guards who are pretty much rock solid and Rokas chilling over there. So I do think I'm not going to rule out them taking a guard if 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 there's a guy they really like who falls, but I do think if I had to bet, I would still bet on a wing for sure. Um, here's the related question. So we, we, we referred to it before, but the Knicks have two picks. They have Dallas's pick, assuming Dallas doesn't tank completely. And they have our pick. We, we can't, we're not going to take two guys, right? Doesn't, that seems kind of crazy. It's already, I know like Jericho at the four, we could use another player there, but like, what do y'all think? I, I mean, I do think that's probably why, I mean, none of us have liked hearing it, but that's probably why they are open to moving a guy like quickly, right? Mm. Um, I haven't heard much of Obi being moved, but I would imagine a decision one way or the other is going to come um, by the end of the season. If Randall continues to play this way and, you know, Obi doesn't take a step on defense, maybe that maybe they do take, but so I, I think that uh, Cam is going to, Cam is gone, right? Um, that opens up a spot, uh, and I think at this point I would bet on it being Obi. But you know, if quickly doesn't improve his shooting, maybe they do look at a guy like Wallace. Um, I know you like um, Keontae George a lot. There are some options to, to replace that as well, right? I'm so just I assuming, this- real quick, I, I'm assuming those two guys are going to be like gone. Yeah, <laughs> we're picking those, those are top ten guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, I mean, it's fluid, and, and you never know. They're sub six five guards, you know. And, Stacey, and that's a good point, Stacy. And I seen and I seen a lot of mocks that reflect that reality, which is like very few short guards actually go that high. And some some of these shits have Keontae like they're like, oh, he's playing well. Maybe he'll be a lottery pick. I'm like, word. You know, <laughs> you're right. You're right about that because like Ty Ty yeah. was like the point guard of last year's draft, and he was six three, and he didn't go into like new back half of the first round so like yeah and, and if those guys are gone you also have a guy like Turkavian smith who kind of fits that right quickly type mold so i could see um i could see them but even i don't think they're going to trade quickly but i think a, a decision will be made about ob one way or the other or randall in which case they will i think there are there will be space for two players and like you said maybe one of those is more of a marinate guy um uh, the other question i'll ask so tyrese i'm curious on your thoughts on that as well as, do you think they would try to consolidate and move up? And will there even be an opportunity to do that in this draft, given how stacked it is? I think they'll try to move up. I think the league will go, no. And I think, <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah, they're just going to go like, nah, we, we don't want to move anybody. Like, who are you going to try to trade up for that the team was going to be like, yeah, we want two picks? Because, like, you well, got to think about it. A lot of teams have two picks. Um well, like, That's true. If, if you think about, like, the realistic move-up range, you look at someone like New assume Orleans. The Dallas pick, assume the Dallas pick is, like, say they stay in the range that they are now. So yeah, 13th, so like 14th, 15th, 
12th, like a pick around there, and assume the Knicks pick is, say, just 20. So 20 and then the Dallas pick, 12, yeah. 13, 14, 15. What's, what's that getting you? Okay, so, like, uh, just going up from, like, let's say the Dallas pick, right? You look at Utah. Are they going to try to move down? No, they have three picks already. Golden State? No. Toronto? Maybe. Maybe Toronto, but, like, I doubt it unless Masai wants to blow it up. Uh, do it, the Pel- do it, Masai. The Pe- Bring us Pascal. The Pelicans, no, they don't have any incentive to trade down. Um, they already have a lot of players. They're already deep. Yeah, Oklahoma City, of course not. Uh, and then Orlando, they already have two picks, and both those picks are going to be in the lottery. So like, there isn't really much opportunity to move up because like two picks isn't going to really in- um, incentivize teams, and a player is going to incentivize them either because they're closer to being paid and. They, a lot of teams have prospects that are as good as, if not better, than the players on the roster currently. So, so here's a here's a devil's advocate. If you're one of those teams that has depth and multiple picks, aren't you already seeing what you can get from teams that don't have picks? And couldn't you like I'm I'm imagining some kind of like clone of Brock Aller on another team who's like, all right. If, if I have two picks and I get another pick from the Knicks and I can still get my guy, now I'm cooking and I can turn one of these picks, one of these extra picks or two into future, or is this just too much like 40 chess? Yeah, I just kind of feel like, <laughs> what, what are you going to do with like three, like if you come out of this draft with like three players, if you're like Orlando and you come out of this draft with three players after you already have like a a solidified. I want to say. I want to say solidified core because like you have Paolo. Um, you have a core you have, and no bench. You have friends. Like you have no bench, but still, like I think it's easier yeah. to get a bench yeah. when you have cap space. And like I don't think any like, team that had three picks would. I, I think if I was Orlando and I was like, I'm going to turn one of these picks into two picks, then I'm going to turn one of these extra one picks into some other shit, whether it's a future pick. Because these teams are are similar in that like they're all tanking they're similar to the knicks even though the knicks aren't tanking in the sense that where the knicks are now they have depth talent they're producing but they still need to consolidate right i feel like these teams are gonna and i'm not saying they're gonna do it right now but getting some future assets for a consolidation trade like OKC doesn't need that because they already got like infinity picks, but these other teams, I could see them, you know, thinking some galaxy brain shit of like if I can turn an extra pick into a twenty twenty six pick, eventually, like you're not gonna have like Paolo, Franz, Bull, Wemby, or you know, it's just like some of these guys are gonna have to go. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. say never because I know, I know they, some of these. They- they just want to be rocking the Raptors South, right? So there's just an assembly yeah, line. Yeah, but then the Raptors South would have ball skills, though. That's the thing. Uh, well, like Raptors South, skills, but better. Bull, bull. Oh, so go yeah, that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, have, they would, oh, um, yeah, they would have ball skills except for like the Raptors wings who just like are 6'8 and tall, and that's it. Quick quick hot take pop quiz. Would y'all t- trade one of the – I'm going to ask y'all this because Schwinn asked me this. <laughs> uh, would you trade one of our picks for bull? No. Would you trade Obi for Bull? Yes. <laughs> okay, just, just Orlando curious. wouldn't do that. I think, I, I I think don't Terry's think would, would trade Obi for like a bag of chips. I, uh, I mean, like I would trade Texas Obi barbecue for... flavor bag of chips. 
There'd be some Texas Roadhouse rolls for Obi Toppin, and like you could get me in there. But um, Texas Roadhouse. Oh, you must learn young grasshopper. You yeah, we learn. gotta we gotta do a Strickland road trip to uh, <laughs> Texas. Come out to San like that. Um, going back a little bit to the Knicks, though, I do think while the consolidation is a need, um, how much do you think the fact that they have all of these guys on? So they've they've added. You know they've had contributors on cheap rookie deals, and they've added mm-hmm. guys on big free agent contracts, which makes results. Obviously, Brunson, I think, has been a home run. Um, you know, Fournier didn't quite hit the way they wanted it to. Um, you know, Randall, we'll see. It certainly seems to be promising of late. Um, but now they're going to have to pay some of those guys, right? They paid RJ. Um, they're going to have to like quickly and Ob are up for extension. Um, Cam, it looks like that ship has sailed. But now that some of these guys are no longer going to be on rookie deals, and the Knicks m- might start to run into up to up against the cap, do you think the need to kind of bring more cheap talent into the pipeline with picks would get them to use multiple picks in this draft? Yeah, I I basically been of that opinion that like they're going to probably be shipping some dudes out just to reset assets, which is why like you're hearing about quickly being like available for a first round pick. Um. I don't think they want to trade quickly, but I feel like if there's an offer on the table that they can't refuse, they will trade quickly. Especially, but what? But what does that mean, though? Um, a protected pick, not even a protect, like a first round pick in the year 2024 or later. Even protected. Even protected. I don't I, see. That's yeah, where I, I think I disagree because, like, I think like top ten protected, you could probably talk them into it. Top ten, top ten would be decent. That would be decent. Um, that's decent protections. But like, Cam got a first. Cam is way shittier than than IQ. You know what I mean? So like the I, I think the bars I, I do think they're consi- they're thinking about the payments, but I also don't think it's super it's gonna be super hard to move these guys because they're not gonna they're not gonna blow up this isn't like the MLB offseason, right? These guys aren't gonna get like a hundred million bazillion dollars. Like what is IQ even gonna make? Tyus Jones money? Maybe? Well that and- yeah. That's nothing. That's nothing. What's that Obi gonna be, make? Yeah, Obi Obi right now, I don't know. But that could be a source of tension though, because quickly might argue that if I was given more of a chance on another team, maybe I would have gotten more than Tyus Jones money. So far a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. So if that feeling is mutual on both sides, you could see that as kind of the source. But um but I tend to agree with Press. I I don't think they would ship him out for like a top ten protected pick. You know, I, I think it would be it would have to be unprotected. Or, um, or maybe you know, two ha- or something. Yeah, or like a young but productive vet. Like Michael Bridges isn't available, but if if the Knicks had to package quickly to get a player like that, or like you know if they traded for a guy like OG Ananobi or something, I would. That, that's like the kind of value I think that would get them to part with quickly. Not saying it would happen straight up, but you know what I mean. Like the, the kind of trade that would they would be willing to part with them. The reset assets thing is is a good question, and I wish I knew how Rokas. I wish I knew if they viewed him as a guy who they're going to give a whirl or if he's purely like a good asset that somebody else can give a whirl. And, you know, the same thing about like he's useful because they don't have to start the clock on paying him, whatever he is, backup point guard, third string point guard, starting point guard. That's also appealing to anybody who would theoretically trade for him, right? Is you could just keep him there and bring him whenever and you just it's just the easy plug and play rotation player probably um 
So I, I have no idea how their plans fit into that, but maybe he's a way for them to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to get a second player who can do that as well. Not necessarily by being overseas, but just by by being a rookie, like like we see with Deuce, right? Like he's productive. Yeah, he's got his warts, but they're paying him like five bucks. So it is what it is. <laughs> I also think like Rokas is a unique case because like, he's the second best prospect in Europe right now. Aside, aside from Wemby. So, like, and when Wemby gets drafted, he's arguably the best prospect in Europe. Who literally will cost you nothing. And will you be think he's heavily... come over? I think he comes over if there's an ability for him to get playing time. But you can sell that to a lot of different teams. You could be like, okay, well, you have the second best prospect in Europe right here. And he's going to cost you nothing for three years. Yeah, and then you, man, you, if you call up Orlando... And say, hey, we'll give you this Dallas pick for Rokas. I heard your second best guard is Terrence Ross. Looks like you could use a little help. <laughs> what would come back, Bull? No, they're one of their... So right now oh, they have... I mean, they wouldn't do this because it's too high right now because the Bulls are dog shit and the Knicks are contributing to that by whooping them twice. Right now, the Magic's pick is fifth and the Bulls pick from the Vooch trade that is now the Magic's pick is seventh. But say... For whatever, say the Bulls are like whatever, a little better, and their pick ends up being tenth, and Dallas is thirteen, and the Knicks are like, "Hey, go down a couple spots, you get Rokas and thirteen, and we get ten, and we get our guy, you get your guy." Like, I can see that. I can see that, but I could also see other teams being like, "Yo, he hasn't even played here. Fuck it. I mean, fuck off." <laughs> True. Um. Yeah. But, I mean, no. even if they don't consolidate or do those things, I still mm-hmm. think if they pay these, let's say they pay all of them, they, they extend OB and IQ, sure. it's going to be more than they make now. I think you're right to say that yeah, it's not yeah, like they're yeah. going to get huge contracts. So at that point, I think you, you start to look around and say, you know, you know, and if they ship out guys like Fournier, um, you know, you, you might start to look and say, well, do we need some, some more cheap young talent, right? Yeah. Um, and so adding multiple guys like that might be why they would use both picks as well, right? So. And we saw in in the draft where they took a bunch of guys on the Deuce draft. They're not afraid of. I mean, it's a little different because Deuce is, was a second rounder, and so was Sims. And so Rokas hasn't come over, right? Yeah, so, yeah, but they basically stashed all of them. Like Sims and Deuce didn't really play. They played. It looked like they were going to stash Grimes for half the season until yeah everyone got COVID. Thanks, Tibbs. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm pretty sure that was not the front office's plan. <laughs> And now Tibbs will never stash him again, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, I could. It'll be I, like I I totally get why they did the, the trade they did last year. But uh, coming into this podcast, I I had more. I felt pretty certain that they would only come out with one, but these are pretty good arguments because it fits in with what we all know, which is we we know they need to consolidate at some point, and consolidation means. You need cheap talent, if only in case of injury, right? Like, it doesn't mean that you're drafting an 18-year-old to play or something like that, which is brings me to one of the other fascinating things about this draft. Stacy, you talked about a lot of these guys are, you know, wingish-sized. Tyrese, you talked about a lot of them seem to have that very professional, hard worker 
you know, they understand the basics of team defense, not just one-on-one defense. They, they have a lot of qualities that Perrin likes. A lot of the people in this draft, the players, are 18 or 19, though. Like, I'm just on... Tankathon's mock means nothing. It's, like, way out of date and probably horribly off base. But I'm just going to go from 10 here. Anthony Black. This is date... Uh, they don't even have Jet in the top in the first round. I, I know, I know, I know. They, uh, age at draft time is like... Yeah, I'm with uh, Anthony Black, 18.9. Uh, Walker, 19.3. Dylan, 19.2. Ware, 18.7. Derek 18.4. Grady, 19.1. Then Terrence Shannon Jr., 22. But then Flip from Duke, 19. Julian Phillips, or Julian Phillips, I don't know how you say his name, 19. Uh, Lively, 18. Chris Murray, 22. Might as well be like 35. Ryan Rupert, 18. Turk, 19, but almost 20 years old. Gigi, 18. Kaluma, 20.8. That seems like an old man in this class. Leonard Miller, 19. You mentioned Jet, 18. Jurisic, 18. So these... There's, if they do intend to have at least one of these guys w- to be just kind of on ice for a consolidation trade, they could justify an upside swing if they're working under the assumption that they may not be ready to play 20 minutes a game right now. But by the time we do a consolidation trade, they'll be well versed enough in professional ball to to work it out of course the one kind of snagging point for that theory is if the consolidation trade comes this offseason either before or after this draft because that would mean you need them to presumably fill a hole sooner rather than later in which case them being 18 kind of makes it a dicier proposition but I, I just, I don't know. I wonder, like some of these 18-year-olds, you mentioned Tyrese, they're, a lot of these guys are professionals already in their demeanor. Like uh, your favorite, Grady Dick. Yeah, I don't, boy. I don't I, think he's the kind of player who's an 18-year-old who's going to be lost out there. Like he knows what he's doing, particularly on offense. He keeps it very simple. He, he's he's not just vibing like Gigi Jackson. And... There's a lot of guys like that, I think, like which Stacy said it earlier. So, how do y'all feel about the whole "don't draft kids" thing this year? Is that is that out the window because of this class and their specific personalities, or am I just being? I think that's I just a wishful thinker. I think that's a hundred percent correct, and I think that's part of the reason why even the top guys are so polished, right? Um, but um, I mean, I will. Echo, I think that in this case, I think to hedge their bets, which is something this front office likes to do a lot. Sometimes to a fault. I think they'll probably go one of each, depending on... So I think that if they take kind of more of a swing, or if they take a younger player at 13... Um, I mean, especially after hearing Tyrese talk about it, I do agree that I think Chris Murray seems like very much a Nick, <laughs> just given his prototype. You know, they get an older guy, he's pretty high floor, um, can slot right in. Um, but I think at 13, they... I mean, so you, you mentioned Grady Dick. I'm, I mean, I've been touting the, the horn. I think that... Um, I think Jet feels very much like this the kind of pick this front office would make. Three-level scorer, very advanced skill for his age. On ball, the defense is there. He needs to tighten up his team defense. Um, and um, 
you know, maybe I'm wrong with this. I don't know if, if Juwan was, was ever CAA, but I would imagine he has a good relationship with, with World Wide West. I think that kind I'm of... I'm 100,000% credit- certain that World Wide West probably has, like, done drugs on a yacht with Juwan Howard or something <laughs> at some point. Like, they've both just been around too long. Yeah, so, and um, and I think the fact that he is a coach's son and a player's son, those are kinds of, like, the polish and, like, those those are things I think that mentality-wise the front office views. And why I also view him above some of the other kind of shooting wings in this draft is he's shown legitimate three-level shot creation and pull-up ability that they value, too. Um, so I think, like, he's a pretty, pretty, like, do I think he's going to be some high-level primary initiator no but i think like the wings who can do more than who are three and d and shot creators you're not going to find too many better bets but i mean that that's kind of what's exciting about this class too is like he's just a guy at, at the back half of the lottery i mean a guy like cam whitmer is probably going to go too high but oh, sorry not too high but higher than that but you have so many of these guys there that i think they'll take someone in that mold um with the first pick right now they're 13 and 18 so at 13, I do think they'll take a younger player. And then, yeah, I mean, you have a guy like potentially, um, uh, you know, Chris Murray later. Uh, there's a couple of other older players who I think will be available later in the first round. Coleman Hawkins is a guy I really like a lot. If for whatever reason they can't take Murray, you know, another kind of versatile forward. Um, but that's how I see it playing out. Yeah. I kind of been on that wave too, where they they go one upside play and then one like stable rotation guy, who could like slot in if need be, which is why like the idea of like someone like um, Grady makes a lot of sense. You know, like he's younger, but he's also like he can shoot, and I feel like if you could shoot, you can play for the Knicks. Um, you look at like again. Chris Murray is, like, the prototypical boring pick that this front office would make. Um, I, I just kind of feel like if they can, if they feel confident in drafting, like, a shooter, they would draft a shooter, and then, like, an upside guy. The shooter may be the upside guy, who knows, but I kind of feel like they're going upside and shooting. All right, that's a good bet. To take us home, I'm going to do the same thing I did with Raphael, which is we can go one person at a time and go, and we can alternate. I'm going to throw a name out there and to help familiarize our listeners with some of these players i want you to give like the one sentence two sentence sales pitch and then one thing you're worried about and we'll just you know we're not going to do everybody it was just a couple of guys who probably are not going to be way out of the knicks range so you know i'm not going to say the thompson twins because we're probably not going to be in the mix with those guys. So we can start with Stacy. Um, how about Walker from Houston? Uh, the sales pitch is a super switchable, very smart beast, um, super strong, um, very well-rounded player with enough of a jump shot to believe in that. Um, versatility at the four, me and Prez disagree on this, can also play the five. The concern is if the shooting doesn't get there, um, does he end up a little bit of a tweener, but, um, but a lot to like there. Okay. For Tyrese, we already talked about him, but I'm going to say him anyway, just so I could hear you say what, what you're worried about. Grady Dick. Okay. So all world level <laughs> shooter who's immediately slots in as like potentially like one of the 15 best shooters in the league, like day one, I think I'm that high on his shooting. I think, <clears throat> 
Like, he also can do things defensively. Like, he's long enough and, like, lanky enough. He's 6'8 like, for people who haven't seen him. And I've had some people tell me 6'9, so. He, he looks but is, is length as important as girth? All right. A question for listeners to answer, depending on how they feel about this in their personal life. <laughs> yeah. I'm not answering that in the spot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think the he has enough, like, length and enough, like, shooting ability to stick in the league. The question is, how passable can he be on defense? And if he's not that passable on defense, then what is he? Aside from just, like, cheap shooting, and do you want to take that as high as he might go? Okay. Um, next, Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky for Stacey. Um, this is the kind of pick, if the Knicks weren't stacked at guard, I would be a huge fan of. Um combines elite point of attack defense with when I say elite again steal rate over four um Deuce McBride is one of the guys I was highest on in terms of point of attack defense and I think Kaysen's a better prospect at that end than him um but he's also shooting the ball at an extremely high level um I loved what I saw from him in the mission game went four for four from three in a, in a game where they needed all of those uh really great competitive fire his usage the the, the downside is his usage is significantly lower than you would like from a um, from a lead guard prospect. So if you know if he isn't a guy who can access the rim or you know who who's going to play on ball and score a bunch, does he end up more in that Patrick Beverly mold or you know um, you know in that kind of three and D mold? Um, and if so, you know how just how is that upside worth like a lottery pick? Also, okay. I'd I'd also argue like is he just another Davion Mitchell? Is he just like younger Davion Mitchell? Like, and was Davion Mitchell worth the lottery pick, especially when you got Deuce in the second round? Yeah, so. it's true. Davion's really good, but that's a high pick. Um, all right, for Tyrese, Turquavion Smith. Oh, Turk. All right. Uh, I think about this for a second. Um, I think the thing with Turk is like he's a he's I, a for people who haven't seen him, he's a point point guard, shooting guard, sophomore. And he, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's also fun as fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> passing is phenomenal. I feel like he's able to use his length pretty well. I think he has what, like, only a 6 7 wingspan, but I feel like his ability to, like, anticipate um, shit in on um, plays, like, his team defense feels, like, really solid to me. I think the question is, like, does he ever get to the point where, like, you want to give him the usage that he commands? And I feel like that's also been, like, a thing I've noticed recently where it's, like, some guys look really good with the ball in their hands. Do you want to give them the ball in their hands? Especially when you get a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. So, like, is he going to be able to play on a team where, like, they're going to be prospects as good as, if not better than him? And if he isn't, then how valuable is he as, like, an off-ball dude? How valuable is he as, like, just another connector who could just keep the ball moving and hit, like, um, catch and shoot threes instead of just like crazy off the dribble shit. It's kind of like the Deuce question where it's like Deuce is really good with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he hasn't gotten there in the NBA as yet, but like off the ball is how long is it going to take to adjust? And if he can't make that adjustment, then what is he at the NBA level? True that. Um, Stacy, if you haven't watched much of him. That's fine. I'll pick another guy. He's kind of a, a late... I shouldn't say late because it's still December, but 
he kind of burst onto people's radars. Um, Taylor Hendricks, have you gotten a chance to check him out? Uh, I've seen less of Taylor Hendricks. Um, I think the archetype, I think, is something that you know I'm a fan of. Um, I think that in that mold, Coleman Hawkins is a guy I've watched a lot more of. I'm pretty high on, um, so I can maybe give the pitch on him. Have you watched? You mentioned Clowney before. Have you seen him? Yeah, I've watched Alabama of late. Uh, really, some intriguing people stuff. are really high on Clowney. Yeah, I mean the numbers aren't there yet, um, but the shot looks clean. Um, How certainly. tall is he? He's like six ten. He, he he looks tall with like never ending arms. Yeah, I mean again, and that's the thing that like you have all of these coveted archetypes, right? Either the oversized wings or like the the toolsy fours. But um, he's shooting twenty eight percent from three. But I think you and I both tend to be of the the mindset that you know attempting them is 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 important. And um, you know, so so he's also fifty six percent free throw shooter, not great. But per hundred, he is taking seven threes. And so I think the- I saw somewhere that in no, that this month in December and like whatever, however many games he's played, he's shooting really well. And he was just awful from three in November. So that it looks like it's on the rise, which is cool. Yeah, and then I mean, uh, you know, and then the you know, like advanced stats, like um, you know, he's he's got some rim protection ability. Those are, you know, those are, but I, to Tyrese's earlier point, I don't know that that is the player, the kind of player that this mm. run off his targets. Um, and I think if they are with that later pick going to take someone in that, I do like Coleman Hawkins a lot. Um, he is um, impossible to Google because of the jazz musician, but, um, you know, he's just, he's a tremendous passer for that archetype of just being like a 6'10", uh, you know, freak athlete. Um, I think he's especially earlier was like um, very high. I think it's it's twenty four percent now. Um, always been a good advanced stats guy. Um, coming out of a pretty good program in Illinois, and um, you know over a block a game, over a steal a game, um, just does it all. Like he's that he's like what I've wanted from the four position, <laughs> and and for like a while. And I think Gigi could get there. I think guys like Clowney are there from what I've seen of um Hendrix, i think that he fits that so i'm hoping they use that second pick on someone like that um and i think hawkins being a little bit older coming from a big name program gives him advantage there where the knicks are concerned that is true he's a sneaky knicks type older high feel can shoot the downside is that he is still only 32 percent from three um has shot mid 60s from the free throw line most of his career right so um you know, a very fun player should help the defense and has that connecting skill set, um, you know, in the DL mold. But without the shooting, it becomes a little bit tough next to Jericho Sims and Mitchell Robinson. I just hope people start calling him Seahawk because that'd be a cool ass nickname <laughs> and differentiate him from the jazz musician. Yeah, and then right. they could also, uh, then they have to send him to Seattle and bring back the NBA team there. So, yeah, that's how it works. I'm pretty sure Adam Silver <laughs> understands that. Um, all right. For each of you, get one more guy you can pick, but not not one of these top ten dudes. So like not Jet, not Derek. Jet's not top ten yet. Actually, you're right. You're right, Jet. Yeah. Matter of fact, all right, fuck it. So since you're the most well versed, well, you already kind of gave the sales pitch on Jet, so I'll skip Jet. So um, one of you can take Derek, and then who who else is like a like a ten to twenty kind of guy. Um, um, he, Grady talks about Grady. There's 
There's Anthony Black. I can take Anthony Black. Okay. Anthony Black's been getting some love on the internets. Um, I, I think what I'll, what I'll ask about Anthony Black is we've seen that archetype, kind of the connector, oversized point guard type who probably isn't a point guard at the NBA. Um, I think Tyrese Halliburton obviously kind of shattered that. But I think Dyson Daniels was in that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask both of you, how would you guys compare Anthony Black to a guy like Dyson Daniels? Uh, I don't think he's a defender that Daniels is because, like, Dyson Daniels' defense is, like, nuts already as a rookie. Um, I don't know if he's going to be that level of, like, ball handler, that level of processor. I think that some team will draft him and try to put him in to get, the, like, those point guard reps immediately. So I feel like you'll know right away if he can sink or swim. But... I am more skeptical about it. But I do like the fact that he's able to get to the line. I do like the fact that he's still hyper-efficient. And I do feel like the usage thing, I don't think it's that much of a concern yet. But at the same time, it's like, if you're 6'7", I feel like 6'7", with the ability to pass as well as he does, the ability to shoot as well as he, as he can, and like the ability to just like get free throws, like you should be hyper-aggressive. And the fact that he's not makes me very skeptical of him being a point guard. I mean, part of the reason he's not hyper-aggressive is because they got a lot of future NBA players on that team. True, and um, also Arkansas is like, yeah, Terrian as they come. Yeah, exactly. I'm probably a little lower than most people on Anthony Black, personally. I, I recently did a little bit of a a dive because I was like, this, he, you know, he has a lot. He's 6'7", he's young, freshman, makes great point legit point guard reads like stuff that i wish rj barrett did more often right but we know rj barrett can do like hitting the weak side corner when the roll man gets tagged and all that shit but i was looking at all of his baskets are pretty much from three or at the rim so i was like oh man he must he must drive a lot and he does drive a lot um but i don't know it's I, the way he drives, I don't know if that's going to work in the NBA. He kind of is just like, I'm 6'7". I'm not slow. He's He has decent burst, and he has a little bit of shiftiness and, and stuff like that. But he, I, I don't know if that kind of bully driving is... Maybe if he puts on a lot of weight, like RJ did, it could work. But he doesn't have an in-between game. And his three-point, he's shooting 40% from three, but he barely takes any. So I'm like... Eh, on his shot it doesn't look broke or anything it's fine it's just not great so i just don't know if his offense is going to be super reliable and like tyrese said he doesn't have dyson daniels level defense you know or josh giddy level genius drives and doofy layups and passing and stuff like that so right now he's trending up and I could see some team just saying, fuck it, I'm going to pick the 6, 7, 19-year-old who can make amazing passes and work on his jump shot, right? But I don't think the Knicks would do that. Um, there's a couple of other guys, but th- those are the ones I was most interested in. Are there any other... This is the last question I'll ask y'all. Is there any other players who who we haven't really mentioned who you guys are keeping an early eye on over the holidays? who might be in that 13 to 20 range. Leonard um, Miller. I like Leonard, the idea of Leonard. I like the idea of Leonard Miller a lot. Yeah, I'm he's a, uh, for people who don't know, Leonard uh, 
is on the G League Ignite team, and he's still really young. Um, he's 6'11". When Scoot Henderson got hurt, he played a little bit of point guard for the Ignite. He's kind of just learning to play organized ball for the first time. He was just destroying random Canadian public school kids before yeah. that. Um, so what what is the idea of him for you? Tyrese? I think no, you're on mute. My, my, <laughs> my bad. I was coughing. Um, but yeah, like the idea of like a big, big wing who can rebound his ass off, who's still like who has a bit of like I think his processing processing needs to like tick up a bit, but like defensively can be like a two stock guy, huge, um who can like eventually get the over like the shot as possible. So like the idea of like maybe like a three to five. Um, hyper efficient could you could probably get more free throws, but I think the um ignite free throw thing is weird because like, I think it only take like one free throw for two shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to check a site that does the conversions on all that. Okay, so like the free throw things are really a bit weird. So like maybe I might be wrong on that, but like it's two stock bigs who can like potentially become more passers and decent shooters are like intriguing to me and i feel like his usage is there so like i do feel like he could potentially handle like scaling down if he needs to but i'm intrigued i'm intrigued to see like if he can scale up and like sustain that and be efficient what can he be kevin durant right oh my god <laughs> i was gonna say like laurie Markin and maybe but like yeah let's go there Good don't compare him to my son the finisher man <laughs> i don't want to hear it finisher. Dude, like, Whatever voodoo that Julius had two years ago and DeBrosen had last year went to Laurie Markkinen of all players, and it makes me sick. The difference is Laurie Markkinen had, like, the greatest big man shooting season ever as a prospect and oh is now God. finally getting around to that. If Laurie Markkinen was in the draft right now, you'd be like, oh, my God, Laurie Markkinen, white boy shooter. <laughs> okay, yeah, but that was, like, man, <laughs> He might be too look. tall for you, actually, so maybe not. No, I I like tall I like tall players. I was just like, hey, Caruso is um, Harrison Barnes is playing over Caruso on a, on a playoff team, and it turns out he is because Harrison Barnes is going to make the playoffs, and Caruso is floundering. That's true. I say that now, but Caruso goes to Golden State and then win the chip again. So like two years. All right, Stacy, who you who you looking at? Who you uh, monitoring? Um, I think we've talked about a lot of the guys. Um, Kalel Ware is a guy I've seen mocked everywhere um that uh you know everywhere from 10 to 30 um kind of in more of a sleeper mold uh jordan hawkins from yukon is a guy that i've been a fan on for for uh, for a while um just like the polish and the scoring ability i personally thought if he had gotten the minutes last year he could have made some more noise um he's one of those guys i think that's getting squeezed a bit just because of how deep this class is um doesn't have you'd like to see more in terms of his passing as well as um, just interior scoring, but he, he can really shoot the ball, shooting 43% from three um, on 17 per hundred, um, which is pretty nuts. Um, Damn. For comparison, Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes, one of the reasons the prize was huge on Quentin Grimes was that Quentin Grimes was at, I think, like 14.9, um, three-point attempts per hundred. Um, another guy, you know, Bones was, I think, about 15 per hundred. So you have, um, you know, so he has, he really can shoot the ball 6'5". I like his defensive ability, and he can get 
to pull ups pretty um, pretty easily. So Imbet kind of grimes mold, and if you look at some of the things as front office values, he definitely checks a lot of those boxes. And playing at a, at a very highly visible level uh, on you know one of the top teams in the country right now. I have not checked for him. Um, hopefully he's better than James Booknight. So I will uh, <laughs> on my player. YouTubes. But I do think that's kind of a thing, though, at UConn now, right? Like this, mm-hmm. this shooting guard who blows up in year two. Booknight, I remember seeing as a freshman, really liking. And then he, he blew up. And then that kind of... Lamb, of course, was the original in that mold, right? So That's true. Stop trusting Dyson me. Daniels, my son. Although that wasn't... That wasn't a blow up, nor was he a sophomore. <laughs> um, that was my... My one year at UConn uh, before I left because Stores, Connecticut was very depressing. Um, anyway. Great ice cream, that, though, at the dairy bar. So Great ice cream. Tremendous <laughs> ice cream. Not worth going out into the middle of fucking nowhere, though. <laughs> so I would not advise that. Um, Stacy, Tyrese, tell the people, the good listeners, where they can find you. And uh, as usual on Trick, anything you want to plug, please go ahead and let the folks know. Uh, you can find me at Stacy Patton eighty nine, um, or on as Prez mentioned the Pod Stricklands that he is not hosting with our illustrious co host Shwini Poo. And uh, in terms of plugging, I'll plug the Believe Next podcast, which I also do with Matt Miranda. Um, we took a little bit of a hiatus, um, but we've been putting out some more stuff. So uh, if you enjoy listening to me talk about the Knicks, then uh, catch up with me there. Yeah, you could uh, find me at Frank Barrett one one eight on Twitter. Um, uh, I just want to plug the Run Dot Down. Um, it says podcast that me and Sam do for post games at the next games. Uh, sometimes it'll be Drew on there. Sometimes it'll be Frank as well. They're rare appearance from Schwinn. Uh, I'd advocate for him not to come on, and then he's like, "Fuck you, I'm coming on." But otherwise. You can find us there for post-game. Uh, we shoot the shit. We talk about the Knicks. Chat's involved. It's a great time. All right. Final question before we get y'all out of here. What pick is the Knicks pick going to be? I'll let Tyrese go first. Uh, assuming no trades. Okay, assuming no trades. Uh, well, I think it stays at 18. I, I think they are a clear play-in team, or not a play-in team, a playoff team. And I think that they stay at six. I don't think they get higher than six, though. Um, I am going to say that I believe in the Raptors more than the Knicks. Nah! Um, so I believe in what for a- the Raptors? Just the way they're built, and the fact that they always cause a ton of problems. They um, can't dribble! I think he's gonna move to Canada. Okay, let him cook. Nah, <laughs> that is that is probably the most. And uh, there are some good Raptors fans out there, but that fan base annoys me the most on Twitter. But I, I just I like the way they're set up. So uh, I think the Knicks finish somewhere around. And then there's teams like the Heat. Who knows? You know, uh, the Hawks could always research. So I'm gonna say I think the Knicks end up in the play-in. Um, I do think they will make the playoffs, um, but I think they probably end up more like 15 or 16 than where they are now. All right. You heard the profits. Take note. We'll get but them I back later. But I definitely hope later. Tyrese is right but for, that, for, for that. Either way, I mean, either way, I'll be fine. So, uh, folks, thank you for joining. Listeners, thank you for listening. Um, I will plug 
our draft previews, which are dropping from now through the new year. Um, originally, it was going to be two parts, but there's so many cool players in this draft that we're turning it to four parts. Part one is already out. Go check that and stay tuned for parts two, three, and four, where you can learn more about a lot of the players we discussed today. And that is it for our podcast, so we will see you in two weeks. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.